0: listening to Pet Candy. This show is brought to you by Brave Paws, a natural stress and anxiety chewable for dogs. Learn more at mybravepaws.com. Hey pet parents, welcome to Bees and Queens. I'm your host, Caitlin Palmer. On my show, we talk to fellow pet lovers and discuss the wonderful and quirky world of pet care. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for being on tonight. I am honored
1: to be chatting with the one and only desk wench.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm honored to be chatting with you because uh you're pretty amazing. Oh my gosh. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> And also, before we get too into it, listeners, we are going to be doing a giveaway of Victoria Shade's new book, Dog Friendly, so stay tuned to learn about how you can do that. So I've got some questions for you, beautiful lady. I am ready. So you're an author and a dog
1: trainer, and you've worked with Animal Planet. How does one even do that? Oh my gosh, yeah. It's a lot of different things that are all united by dogs. Um, I started training over 20 years ago, just kind of like out of the weirdest headspace. I was in corporate America and it just didn't feel like a fit. And I thought, you know, what do I love? What do I want to dedicate my life to? And and dog training just came out of nowhere. It was really strange. And I I just set my mind to it. I apprenticed. I, I did all sorts of studying. And that led into blogging. And then that led to writing books and gosh, from there, you know, the Animal Planet thing, I did a puppy training DVD forever ago, and it turned out that my cameraman for the DVD actually worked on the original, like the first Puppy Bowl. Oh, who doesn't love the Puppy Bowl? It's it's amazing. It was just such serendipity. And he was like, well, hey, I'm working on this show with puppies and footballs with Animal Planet. Would you like to? And I'm like, yes, whatever it is. Yes, I will do it. <laughs> Where do I sign? Yeah. And it's been years. I think I've worked on the show longer than anyone at this point.
0: That's so awesome. And and I don't know anyone who doesn't love the Puppy Bowl. Like Super Bowl, eh, Puppy
1: Bowl, yes. Exactly. It's adorable and it has the best message. You know, foster, rescue, adopt. All close to both of our hearts. I know that for a fact.
0: So close. We love them all. So did you always, so you you kind of always knew that you wanted to work with animals, right? Or did you kind of go through a, "Eh, I don't know what I want to do. And then you were like, definitely animals.
1: You know, I felt like I had to kind of follow the the college to corporate America track just because, you know, that's what my parents did. That's, you know, that's what made sense. But deep down, I always knew, like I even used to journal back in the day, like I don't want to have a nine to five life. That's just not what I see myself doing. So it was a matter of figuring out where that fit for me and where my skills were. Um, I was in sales prior to leaving corporate America and that's like the most entrepreneurial job you could have, but that still wasn't enough for me. So yeah, it really was kind of magical how dog training just fell into my lap. And, And again, I say this, this is 20 years ago before dog training was a thing. Like, I don't know if anyone remembers old country. I was country when country wasn't cool. I was dog training when dog training wasn't cool. It was such a weird and unheard of career path that people didn't understand what the hell I was doing. So I had no choice. Like when I decided this is what I wanted to do, I'm like, well, I better make it work because no one thinks I can.
0: Yeah. No, you were a trendsetter. Like you said, you were doing it before it was cool. So tell us because we obviously we're here because we love
1: pets. So tell us about your pets. You have some you have some pretty cute pets. I have some cuties, I gotta say. Um People always assume that because I'm a dog trainer, my dogs are perfect. And oh my goodness, they are not, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) They're like the vet
1: dogs. They're the most unhealthy. (laughs) Right? I know. Your dogs are the ones with the long nails. Like, oh my God, I'm petrified or mortified. Like when I take pictures and sometimes their nails are in the shot, I'm like, "Mm, should I Photoshop them shorter or should I actually cut them? (laughs) (laughs) So I have um, two seniors. So Millie is a smooth Brussels graffon. Everyone thinks she's a skinny pug. Because, you know, she's a smooth and they're not as common. And she was through an open adoption, even though she's a special, fancy breed. She belonged to someone who wasn't able to take care of her. And when she was six months old, they said, would you be interested in taking this dog? And obviously, yes. My God, she was the cutest thing. (laughs) So, yeah, 12 years later, she's the cutest, smartest, uh, sweetest senior. And then we have Olive, who um, we adopted as well. And she's a scruffy white mixed breed. And uh-huh. let's just say she keeps me humble because she's kind of naughty. But I love her. I mean, she no one snuggles like Olive. Like, Millie is more of, uh-huh. I say she's, like, got, like, drag queen aura because she she's very right. judgy, kind of like a cat, like, you know. I'll do it on my terms, whereas Olive is just like I-, I need to touch you. Can I please put my head on your lap and just snuggle? So they each have their their charms and their challenges, I guess.
0: Yes. Oh, they're so sweet. We actually, just yesterday, had someone bring in a litter of Brussels Griffon puppies. And what? I was like, I, I I would get a divorce, but I would also have a Brussels Griffon puppy. So, like, I really had to think about it, but I guess I like my husband, so.
1: Oh, that's
0: a tough choice, man. It was. It was. And they're so, they look, okay, so to me, all newborn puppies kind of like they just have the same little body type. Like Brussels Griffons yeah. have little noses. Like they look like little chihuahua puppies. And I was like, are they supposed to cuz they're, you know, they're brachycephalic. They have little short faces. Right. And we're like, yeah, no, they just never grow. <laughs> so
1: I was like, <laughs> okay. So they were newborn. Yeah. Yeah, brand new babies, 3 days old. I think I'm driving down there to to dog napping, a uh, dog.
0: Yeah. Yeah, come on. Well, I got a place okay. you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take one too. <laughs> we'll move. We'll just move to Nantucket. Our husbands don't have to know. Right. Don't know we to don't to need them. them. Right. Right. So, uh, tell me, do you
1: have a favorite breed or type of dog to work with? That's a pretty typical question because I think everyone has this preconceived notion that I, you know, that there's one breed that's the smartest of all. And I think you know that yeah. your answer is yeah. probably the same. It's not the dog breed. I look at the dog in front of me and work with what I have because I'm I'm the kind of trainer who's like, mm, I don't fall prey to the breed assumptions like, oh, that breed is an X and it'll right. never be able to walk politely on leash or, yeah. you know, that that one sniffs too much. So good luck. Every dog is an individual. So it's tough for me to say that this is my favorite breed. It's just... Who I'm working with and how we're vibing together and yeah. Now least favorites, maybe I have a couple of those, but that's off the record. Uh Right.
0: (laughs) No, we we won't we won't say any any breed names, but I think I think we're on the same wavelength of
1: I think we are in most things, Miss Desquench.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, side note, Victoria and I are like best friends now, so that's really awesome.
1: (laughs) Totally. We're already like trying to figure out how we're going to meet up and cause trouble together. Oh, I know there's so much ruckus to muster, and also you sing, woman. I heard you singing on your latest TikTok. I'm like, mm, karaoke. Oh,
0: my god. Thank you. So
1: beautiful. You were really, really Thank good.
0: God. Thank you so much. Oh my god, I couldn't. I couldn't be in a field full of sheep and not sing the Beauty and the Beast song. Like, there's just no way. You can't, I mean, like, what, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, like, feed the sheep? No. <laughs> you sing Disney songs.
1: Do one more where you where you put your arms out and turn in circles in the field. I think that would be another cool one.
0: Oh, that you would know? be. Oh, I'll have to go back out there and do that. Yes. Uh, new pet parents, you know, you get a puppy and I think there's a lot of, you you know, you expect some things, but people get a puppy and then they're, they act surprised when it acts like a puppy or a dog, even Uh an adult. Uh, Do you have any just kind of, just kind of general tips for new pet parents or dog parents specifically?
1: Yeah, always. So I'm a big believer in starting young, you know, puppies are little sponges. They're always learning. So Every interaction is a chance to teach your puppy and show your puppy this is the right thing to do. This is the thing that gets you a treat. So even if you're not starting off at formal training right away, you can still start with polite behavior like jumping up. That's one of my pet peeves, says the woman who has a dog that jumps up. But anyway, you can teach uh, your puppy to greet people with forepaws on the ground. And it's so easy. And all you have to do is instead of acknowledging your puppy when she jumps up, Wait for those paws to be on the ground or like take sidestep. And then once the paws are on the ground, that's when you interact. It's as simple as that, like those little tiny behaviors that are almost unconscious. They can become bigger issues as the puppy grows. So start young. I do think that pet parents should go to training socialization and, and basic manners training as quickly as possible. Uh, and don't let problems get out of hand before you start thinking about the ways to address them.
0: We'll be right back with more pet candy. Hi, I wanna tell you about my new show, Simply Pets with Shannon Gregoire. We talk about pets, life, love, and everything in between with the coolest people on the planet. Don't miss out on the fun. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice. Right. It's one of those uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. you know, it's it's easier to stop it from happening than it is to fix it once it's happened.
1: <laughs> so Oh, just one thing I love to add is always look for dog friendly training. You know, the the punitive methods are still out there, unfortunately, the old school, not dog friendly techniques. Um, right. that really there's no basis in, in animal learning. So I'm a huge proponent of dog-friendly training, science-backed training. Use those treats. It's just the best way not only to bond with your dog, but also get the behaviors that work for you.
0: Right. That positive reinforcement. And I'm sure you'll agree too. There's some breeds, like, for example, growing up I had a German Shepherd, and that's not, you know, not all German Shepherds, but they're a guardian breed. They need to be socialized, you know, <laughs> and so that's very important. Like you said, socialization, especially for certain breeds. Not, not all. I mean, they're, like you said, they're
1: individual, but did you just hashtag not all German Shepherds?
0: Yes, hashtag not all, not not all German Shepherds. <laughs> mine okay so I was a kid and we didn't know better like we just live in the country and he was just in the backyard you know so we didn't know like you don't take the dog to the vet you know that was before it was I was a kid you know and it was like you don't take the dog to the vet that's stupid (laughs) And it was like oh he got sick we need to go to the vet and he's trying to eat everybody so it was like oh yeah okay maybe maybe there is something to this socialization thing
1: yeah, and it's funny. I think all pet professionals have this skeleton in their closet or two, where you're like, mm. "Oh, I did that." Like there are some things in my training past. I started with choke chain training, which is horrifying to me now. Right. I didn't. I didn't know better. So know better, do right. better.
0: You know exactly. And if you don't know any better, I mean, you can't hold that against yourself. You know, I mean, you you, you do what you think is best until you know better, and then you do better. I always tell people, especially new people to the vet world, I'm like, they're like, oh, you know so much. I'm like, only because I've messed every single thing up. <laughs> like oh. all these things I know, I have learned the hard way. So please learn from my mistakes so that you
1: don't do it too. That's such a beautifully humble way to to address that. I love that. You know, acknowledging that yeah, I've made mistakes. Oh, I've made lots. <laughs> I've made so many. <laughs> So tell us
0: about the process of writing a a book like You just one day you decided, you know what, I want to write a book and you just did it. How long did it take? Kind of walk us through that that process. So when I
1: was training full time, I was a private in-home trainer. And as you can imagine, going into people's homes opens up all sorts of interesting story potential. Every home you go into is a new drama. And I would tell my mom about these, you know, bizarre, funny, outrageous things that would happen, and she'd say, you know, you should write that down. That could be a book. And I realized, you know, it kind of, yeah, it's it's the perfect story, you know, this concept of going into people's homes and meeting all these different dogs and all these different people's people. So that became the uh, the basis for my first novel, which was dog friendly. But prior to that, when I was working on my my nonfiction training book, um, totally different beast of a book there because nonfiction, you know, you have to be able to convey information succinctly and accurately. And I didn't love writing that book, the first one, but I did love writing the little the little training vignettes, like the stories that illustrated the concepts I was yeah. describing. And those two things, I'm like, maybe it's not nonfiction that I should be doing. Maybe I should be doing fiction. So that became the beginning of my first novel. I wrote about 10,000 words and then imposter syndrome and doubts set in and I set it aside for years. Gosh, I think. I can't even, years, at least five years, maybe 10. And then I I was working with a training client who happened to be a New York Times bestseller. And I'm like, hey, can I ask you a big favor? Would you mind looking at this book I started writing a million years ago? And she's like, she read it and she's like, it's good, keep going. And that was the push I needed. And four novels later, here we are.
0: That's so awesome. And it's such a good book. And I'm not just saying that, It, it really is. So tell us just just kind of briefly an overview. And uh, this is the only spoiler alert I'll give our, our listeners. Me personally, if there's a dog on the cover, I don't read it, I don't watch it because usually the dog dies, right? the dogs do not die in this book. So, it is a safe book to read if your heart is tender like mine. So, so tell tell us about dog friendly. Tell us about the Nantucket and the staff.
1: Yeah, that is such an important point to make. Thank you for that that public service announcement. No animals were yeah, harmed. In any books of the, that I wrote. But the, the dog does not die on this podcast. Mm-mm. Never. No, we, we deal with, with enough of that in real life between veterinary care and shelter volunteering, which is what I do. So Dog Friendly is about a veterinarian and she is burned out. And honestly, since we're in a, a, a probably a tribe of like-minded people listening to this podcast, she's experiencing compassion fatigue. And she realizes that she needs to make a change. And she finds that she gets the opportunity to spend a summer caring for a special needs senior dog in Nantucket. And she goes for it because, again, she realizes that something needs to change or I'm just going to break. And while on Nantucket, she thinks she's just going to have a pretty chill, you know, keep to herself, watch the dog kind of summer. But she meets a guy and she meets Mm -hmm. a, a foster dog who is in need of some special attention And then she gets roped into this this fundraiser for the island's um, animal shelter. And suddenly this relaxing summer has become very busy. And we've got romance, we've got a little bit of dog rehabilitation in there, and not only dog rehabilitation, but also rehabilitation of of my main, main character's soul. She was needing to find a way to work through the things that she was facing. Well, does it happen? Does it not? Does is there a happily ever after? Spoiler alert, yes there is. But that's that's kind of the high level the overview high level of dog, overview friendly, dog friendly, all set in all the, beauty, in of the beauty of Nantucket.
0: It, and you know, you you write in such a way that it's like I'm there, I'm on the beach, I want Aww. lobster. <laughs> it's so good. It's so so good. And I and I mean this as a compliment, but it's almost like a veterinary Hallmark movie because it does have that like you, you just you feel good. Like you feel good reading it. And like I said, I have that preconceived notion of, oh, there's a dog on the cover. I don't know if I want to read that.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm so happy you took a chance. No, it's
0: good. Yeah, you know, it's I'm like, oh wait, this is amazing. I love
1: this. (laughs) It's funny. I get the hallmark thing a lot, but Uh there's F bombs in it, like and it's funny because it's I'm getting feedback from both sides. Like I'll get people saying, Oh, it's sweet and happy and hallmarky. And then the other side I'll get is wow, there's a lot of like trauma and angst. So I think it depends on where you are, the, like what part of the book That's resonates true. most with you.
0: That's true. And maybe it's because I work in the vet field and it's, I mean, you you really capture the burnout fatigue. Fun, fun fact for our listeners, Victoria does not work in the veterinary field. I thought you did from Aww. reading the book. Like I really did. And then when you found out you didn't, I was
1: like, whoa, what the heck? (laughs) This is amazing. Wow. Well, I wanted Um, to do the profession justice. I did a ton of research. I wanted to make sure that people understood what everyone from, you know, front desk staff to the techs to the vets themselves, what you guys all go through. Right. Absolutely. So what inspired you to write
0: about a veterinary professional specifically?
1: Well, I I obviously have to keep all my books in the dog realm. That's my brand. And I wanted to write about a vet, but I wanted to do it in a way that I think hasn't really been done yet. Because usually when you see vets in fiction, I'm sure you know, happy, fun, cute, yay, play with puppies all day. And that's not the reality. So I, I wanted to tell that story, but tell it in a way that honors the profession and again, Gently educates readers, I I hate to say this, but educate readers that sometimes they're the problem. You know, the profession comes with challenges, inherent challenges, you know, physical challenges, emotional challenges. And then you layer on what assholes people can be. (laughs) All of my books have this little educational component kind of woven through, whether it's the importance of foster rescue adoption or pitbull advocacy or positive reinforcement training. And in this book I wanted it I wanted the book to shine a light on what veterinarians are going through and the crisis in the profession, but do it in a way that doesn't alienate people or make them feel, you know, awful about it. Like there's there's a lot of sunshine in the book to go with the very real life challenges of the profession. <laughs> We'll be right back
0: with more Pet Candy.
1: Hi, this is Shay, and I want to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy, Cooking with Shay. I make vegan eating easy and fun. Check it out on Pet Candy TV.
0: Right, right. It's kind of that silver lining, that like, oh, I'm in a dark place. I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do to make it better. And then it's like, oh, wait, yes, there is. You know, and it's it's just that journey of, of getting better. And, you know, there's the whole not v and OMV movement, which is not one more yeah. vet because, you know, veterinarians are about three times more likely to commit suicide than any other profession. So <laughs> my favorite, okay, and I know this is like the first part of the book, but the first room Dr. Morgan walks into is someone who thinks their dog has ticks and their nipples. <laughs> and it's the best thing ever. That's why I was like, she works at a vet. Like, obviously, she definitely works at a vet. But it's the different rooms and the different people. And oh, the puppy's nice, but the owner's like, how much is that going to cost me? And it's, I mean, it's the stuff we hear every day. But I mean, you're right to someone not working at a vet clinic, it probably is kind of like, oh, wow, that was a little rude, but we're just kind of used to it. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the up and down of the daily flow going from cute puppy, you know, regular vaccinations to, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with the end of life case here. I, I think people only, you know, understandably, they think of what's happening in their world, in their exam room, forgetting what's happening outside that door. So yeah, just a, a gentle way to educate.
0: So tell me about your research. You you kind of researched veterinary
1: stuff. What were your what were your sources? I had a lot of sources. So I started with stalking, which is a writer's favorite tool. Same, it's a woman's favorite
0: tool. I can say that I'm a woman.
1: <laughs> I love this. and I am a pro. I found a bunch of online resources by and for veterinarians, and. Honestly, I felt like I was seeing things that I wasn't supposed to see because it was so raw and honest and personal. It informed a lot of the content, you know the the real life stuff that you're seeing on the page. I it happened. I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying like I stole people's stories, but it, the drama and the challenges were truly inspired by my research. So not only the stalking, I also talked to two wonderful. Uh, more senior veterinarians who've been there, done it, gotten the t-shirt, and they gave me some great perspective of of the other side. You know, Morgan is a young doctor, and they they gave me insight into like this is where we are at the other side. And they they also told me about the joys of the profession too. Not to harp on the challenges, like you you guys are in the profession for a reason. You know, you love animals, you love to bring about positive change for animals and their people. So those veterinarians were really great about helping me see that. And then I talked to um, therapists because there is therapy on the page. You know, that's super, super yeah. important. And yeah. a veterinary social, social worker. worker. So it gave me a really well-rounded view of, you know, from firsthand accounts to this is how we try and help veterinarians. And then once the book was published, NOMV reached out to me and we had some really wonderful conversations. So... It was just great. I love research. It's one of my favorite parts of writing. I I also like research.
0: Um, I'm uh, working on an episode of the Obsessed podcast with my husband on Megalodon. And I have been like balls deep. It is so good. (laughs) You just said balls deep. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sometimes I forget I'm supposed to be professional.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's amazing. But yes, going balls deep on research is the best.
0: It's the only way to go. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well go balls deep. (laughs) They may have to edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite Megalodon fact? (sighs) Okay, so I just learned this last night, and I'm a little ashamed of myself. But the reason we know how big Megalodon were is because of their teeth, because they're cartilage. They don't have, like, skeletons. We don't have a full fossil. So you estimate it based on their teeth and there were marks and little bits of whale bone in some of these fossilized teeth. And that's why we know they ate whales. Oh so like it's God. all in the
1: tooth. That's an incredible factoid and it really paints a picture.
0: It does, isn't that crazy? Because like all that's left is this tooth and you're like, that was a big animal. But then it's like, oh, wow. We can learn a lot about it from that. A little side note, can we just talk about how important mental health is? I mean, I feel like, especially here, because I live in the deep south, but there's a bad stigma about it that, like, oh, you're weak, or oh, you're a baby, you just can't deal with stuff, or I've been through worse. You know, if I had to do it, you had to do it. And I mean, mental health and therapy, I mean, there's no shame in that. I go to a therapist every three weeks. I mean, you just, it's its important. You have to take care of yourself first.
1: Yeah. So mental health and taking care of our mental health is so important. And I know that a lot of us are, are high achieving perfectionists and admitting that we need help can be so difficult. But It's also so important to to take the time to address these challenges before we feel like we have no other choices. You know, I'm talking in code here because it's such a difficult topic, but we we definitely don't mean to trigger anybody. You know,
0: certainly I think we've all been there and it's no good. You know, it's not a place I like to revisit, but it is important to talk about it and to say it's it's okay. There's Because you have to get help doesn't mean you're bad or you're broken or you know, undeserving of of love or you're a freak, you know, or anything like that. So it's it's important. It's you're you're valid. Your feelings are valid.
1: There's and there yeah, there's no shame in in talking with someone and really that's what it is. You know, if you break it down, it's talking, you know. Going, you go to a bar and talk to a friend, go to go to a therapist's office and talk to a therapist. It's so cathartic. And yeah, it can be difficult. I mean, raise your hand if you've gone to therapy. I have. Caitlin, you said you have. Yeah, it's so important, which is part of the reason why I wanted to put it on the page. It, I didn't just allude to Morgan got therapy. No, you go into right. the office with her and you experience yeah. some of, of what she went through. And like I said, I talked to a therapist here locally And she was the one when we were setting it up, I actually met her at a party. And when I told her what the book was about and said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm considering this therapy plot. She's like, okay, I will talk to you. I have tons of thoughts. And she's the one who said, bring your dog because she welcomes dogs into her office and says that it's, it's so beneficial. So when I went to talk to her, I brought Millie with me and it was just, it added a really cool layer to the, to, to my experience with her and also in the book.
0: Yes, and it you portray it so well, and it's such a good thing.
1: You know, I think we all feel a little awkward when we first walk
0: into the therapist's office, like, oh, I'm here because I'm sick, or there's something wrong with me. It's like, no, you're a
1: human. <laughs> I wish everyone would consider it. It's great. It's really wonderful, and I think, like you said, there's no shame. You're not broken. You just, you need to get it out. Absolutely. It's so healthy. It's so good for you, and you're worth it, and we love you. So much. Oh my god, so much. That's why the book is for you. That's why I wrote this book. My my deep joy and and awe of what you do and um uh, appreciation. Yeah, I mean, this is this book is a love letter to Nantucket and veterinarians.
0: Oh, and and it has made me really want to go to Nantucket. Like I'm trying to figure out how I can get to Nantucket.
1: <laughs> well, I have advice. It's called the shoulder season. So you don't want to go in June, July, August. It's crowded, it's expensive as anything. You go October, you're going to get still some really pleasant weather, um, but no crowds, and much more affordable hotels. Nice. Okay,
0: Vacay 2023, here we come. (laughs) So, before we go, do you have any advice for any future or aspiring
1: authors? Oh, gosh, I have lots. Uh, Number one, do your research because nothing shows you're a first-timer more than sending a a query to a potential agent for a book that's not done. And that might have been a lot of code in a sense, but before you can get your book published, traditionally, you need to have an agent who is the person who approaches the publishing houses. So the first first step, finish that book because an agent won't want to talk to you until you have a complete manuscript and then once you have that complete manuscript do your research on the agents make sure you've got someone who's representing books similar to the one that that you have written yeah and and finish i guess that's my primary piece of advice even if you feel like what you're writing is like eh, it's not that good it's it's a draft it's a living right. document it's going to change so your your agent and editor will help you polish it up and get it into into what we're going to see on the shelf eventually. Yes. Oh, that has to be such a cool feeling to see your book on the shelf. Oh, my gosh. It is. My goodness. It's, yeah, I still love it. I still, when I go into a new bookstore, I always kind of cross my fingers and hold my breath. Like, is it here? Is it here? And then you see it and it's just the best feeling. That's so cool. That's
0: amazing. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that. That is so cool. So before we go, how can our listeners learn more about you and find your
1: book? And what, how can, what are are your deets? How can we stay in touch with you? I love staying in touch with readers. It is the best thing, you know, to get a little message. Someone on TikTok just messaged me. I did a a TikTok about how my girl dog marks like a boy dog and someone in the comments Ah. said, oh, I'm reading your book and I love it. So amazing. It's impossible for me to give a short linear answer, as you probably discerned by this whole conversation. So, how do you reach me? I am all over Instagram. That's probably my primary. It's Victoria underscore shade, S C H A D E. I'm on TikTok. That is frequently, but there's lots of silly stuff there. And that's how I discovered the wonderful Miss Caitlin. I'm on Facebook, Victoria Shade author and what else Uh, my book you can find my book on that massive online behemoth that starts with an a of course but you can also go to your local independent bookstore which is probably more important uh, I love indies. I think it's so important to support them. So even if the book isn't on the shelf at your local indie, you can request it. And that's a double win because then that independent bookseller will be like, hmm, maybe I should stock this book.
0: Absolutely. And we, we love we love supporting a small business. We love shopping local. I, I justify so many purchases by <laughs> I'm shopping local. So of course I can exactly. buy
1: all of these With things. Right. Yeah. It's, I'm supporting the economy. I'm doing my part, you know. I'm about to do that later today. I have a signing today and afterwards I'm like, I think I'm gonna shop a little bit. Yes, oh my gosh, do it, do it. That sounds so much fun. Before we go, I would just love to mention if you read Dog Friendly and love it, which I hope you do, it's a huge (laughs) help if you could review because reviews help other readers find the book. So whether it's on that online behemoth, even if you didn't buy it there, you can still review it there. It'll just be an unverified oh purchase. Goodness, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big help. You can go to Barnes & Noble and review if you're on Goodreads or BookBub, all of them. It just, it helps skew the algorithm in my favor. And like I said, it helps more readers find the book. So it's, that would be a huge help, especially five stars. Love you. Yes.
0: <laughs> so everybody do five stars. <laughs> I didn't know you could review if you didn't buy the book from
1: Amazon. I'll be doing that today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's not more more public knowledge. It's just you see like some have the verified purchase and some don't. And that's the only difference.
0: Oh, okay. I've always kind of wondered what that was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'm one of those people I read the reviews. If I'm kind of on the fence about, oh, do I wanna, you know, do I wanna try that? And then I read the reviews. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. We'll be right back with more pet candy. Have an anxious pet? Brave Paws may help. Brave Paws anxiety and stress support chewables may promote calm behavior in dogs who exhibit nervousness and anxious behavior. Our clinically studied and patented botanical blend contains naturally occurring bioactives which have been found to promote a sense of calm and relaxation in dogs. What's even better is it's fast acting and non-drowsy. Come get it today at MyBravePaws.com. Well, Victoria, thank you so, so much for being on. And thank you for representing the veterinary field the way you do and for just being such an inspiration. And you're just so kind and wonderful. And everybody loves you and you're perfect. So everybody. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody definitely go check out this book. And we will be doing a giveaway details to come. Um, The only restraint, I guess, would be it have to be within
1: the United States. Yes, please. Because I'm the one mailing it to you. You will get it from my hot little hands and there might be a couple dog hairs on it from Millie and Olive, to be perfectly honest.
0: We usually charge extra for dog hair. So yeah, this is really a good deal. Well, thank you again so, so, so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. So thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk with me.
1: Caitlin, I love it. And I am looking forward to the day that we get to hug in real life and cause some trouble together. Yes, coming 2023. We're manifesting. It's happening. (laughs) Thank you again. And thanks to everyone out there for reading the book.
0: Yes, thank you all so, so much. And we'll be talking soon. Candy, it's Pet Candy Radio.